You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. You know, uh, some songs define the story of a people. Some songs define the story of a people. Uh, in the classic musical Les Miserables, a, a group of young Republicans launch a rebellion against the French monarchy. They're, they're led by a young radical, Enjolras, and the rebels line the streets of Paris and they begin to sing. Do you hear the people sing? Singing a song of angry men. It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, there is, a, there is a life about to start when tomorrow comes. Will you join in our crusade? Will you, who will be strong and stand with me? Beyond the barricade, is there a world you long to see? Then join in the fight that will give you the right to be free. Will you give all you can give so that our banner may advance? Some will fall, some will live. Will you stand up and take a chance? The blood of the martyrs will water the meadows of France. It's a pretty powerful song, isn't it? You see, in Les Miserables, that one song sparked a rebellion. And in a moment where life imitates art, that song has become the anthem of democracy right around the world. In 2013, it was sung in the aftermath of the Arab Spring. In 2016, it marked the candlelight revolution in South Korea. And in 2019, it was the anthem of protesters in Hong Kong. You see, friends, this song, this one song, it defines the story of a free people. And and if you can understand the lyrics of this song, you'll be able to grasp the story of democracy in our world. Well, today I want to introduce you to another song. I want to introduce you to a song that defines the story not just of a free people, but of God's people. I want to introduce you to Hannah's song. And if you can understand the lyrics to this song, can I tell you, you'll be able to understand and grasp the message of 1 and 2 Samuel. In fact, these two books are bracketed by two songs. Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 1 and David's song in 2 Samuel 22. And together, these two anthems join to tell the story of God in Samuel. So today, we're going to explore this song in three main sections. First section, praise the only God, praise the only God. Well, for those of you who are musically inclined, you'll know that if you look at the top left-hand corner of most music scores, you'll find a word or a phrase that describes the mood of a song. Uh, It's the emotion with which uh, the uh, pianist should play that piece. Could be lively, or sadly, or that phrase that I never quite understood, with feeling. You see, friends, if Hannah's song was written onto a music score, the word in that top left-hand corner would read, joyfully, joyfully. You see, friends, this is a joyful song of praise. In verse 1, Hannah's heart rejoices, and her horn, that is her strength, is lifted up by the Lord. That the Lord of armies, who commands the angels of heaven, has strengthened this weak and helpless woman. Do you remember her story? 
Back in chapter 1, Hannah was unable to bear children. She was subjected to every kind of grief, degradation and shame. She was a woman with a broken heart. But in her helplessness, Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord of armies and God answered her prayer. He gave her a child and she named him Samuel. It's no wonder then that she now rejoices. Her her situation has been reversed. Her her shame has been covered. This once childless woman now bears a child she loves. Just rewind one chapter. Her rival Panina taunted her severely. But look now. Hannah's mouth boasts over her enemies. The tables have been turned. Hannah is vindicated. She rejoices in her salvation. In verse 2, she moves from rejoicing in her experience of salvation to now praising the God of her salvation. Just notice, three times she praises the incomparable God. He is holy like no other, dependable like no other. He is God like no other. You see, God alone is king. So this isn't just a song of salvation. No, this is a song of the Savior. In just just 10 verses, the Lord is mentioned nine times. And and this song is filled with everything that the Lord has done. And right at the center, what we might almost consider the chorus of this anthem in verses 6 and 7, right there, we sing that the Lord holds the power of life and death. Do you see, friends, in the story of this weak and helpless and childless woman, we see that true strength, true salvation is found in God, the only King. And Hannah models for us what true praise really looks like. You see, true praise focuses even less on our salvation and more on our Saviour. Now, some of you would be familiar with the story of Captain Sally Sullenberger, who emergency landed that plane onto the Hudson River uh, in 2009. On that day, Sully saved the lives of 155 people on that plane. In the weeks that followed, he was showered with praises and accolades, and appropriately so. But, but just imagine if the nation celebrated those 155 saved lives but never bothered to thank Sully for saving them. I mean, it'd be wrong, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of strange to to celebrate their survival without thanking their captain, to rejoice in our salvation without praising our saviour. And yet, that is what we sometimes do, isn't it? We're, We're somehow relieved that we're saved from hell and the judgment, but we actually fail to praise the God who saved us. We might say, thank God I'm saved but we don't actually thank God for saving us. You see, friends, He is the only God. He is the only King. He alone is the Saviour of the world, so He alone deserves our praise. So so in verse 3, Hannah sings to all of us who will hear, do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come from your mouth. You can almost imagine her singing these words to Penina, can't you? But she might actually be singing these words to us. Don't boast that you're so strong and successful. 
Don't be so arrogant to think that you're somehow the king or the queen or the captain of your own life. No, don't play God. God's throne is occupied and it is not occupied by you. Now, God alone is the king who sees, who knows, and who judges all things. Praise not yourself. Praise the only God. Our second section, praise the God of reversals. Praise the God of reversals. Do you realize that so much of our society, it runs by the laws of natural selection? The strong rule the weak. The rich rule the poor. The self-sufficient The self-made people, they're up the top. But those who are helpless are down the bottom. And in the end, right, the iron laws of natural selection dictate only the strong survive. But Hannah's song, it paints a really different picture. I mean, it praises the God who brings down the strong and who lifts up the weak who humbles the rich and exalts the poor. You see, friends, God is a God of reversals in this upside-down kingdom. You just look at what happens in verses 4 to 5. God reverses the positions of the strong and weak, the rich and poor, the loved and lonely. We often think that powerful people are those who are physically strong, but God will break the bows of warriors and clothe the feeble with strength. Well, we assume that those who are employed with successful jobs and high salaries, no, they're the ones that will never grow hungry and always be comfortable. God will impoverish the rich and he will feed the poor. And we think that the married, children, married people with children will never be lonely and always be loved. But God will give the perfect number of children to the childless woman. And the woman who has much will have nothing and no one. Can you see, friends, in this upside-down kingdom, God is reversing the fortunes of the strong and the weak, the rich and the poor, the, the loved and the lonely, the honored and the shamed. And if you are proud about your strength, your work, or your family, this song is a strong warning. God will humble the strong. But if you are weak, poor, and all alone. This song is a great comfort, isn't it? God will lift you up. In verses 6 and 7, as we said, the center, the chorus, as it were, of this song, the Lord is the God who brings death and gives life, who brings poverty and gives wealth. We've said it before, we'll say it again, true strength, True salvation is not found in our physical health, our successful jobs, or our happy families. No, it is found in God the King. True strength belongs to God, and true strength is given by God. And here's the crazy thing. He gives that strength not to those people who think that they're already strong. No, He gives His strength to people who know they're not. He gives his salvation to helpless people like Hannah. If we're honest, so many of us live with the singular goal of not being Hannah. Let's face it, she is the antithesis of all our ambitions. 
Just imagine what parent out there wants their child to grow up to be helpless, destitute, and dependent. No, the goal of our lives is we study hard, we succeed at work, we earn money, all so that we might do what? Climb up the ladder. Achieve that upward social mobility so that we might never need to rely on anyone else. In fact, we kind of want to be like Panina, don't we? We want to have it all. We, we find our strength in the very three places mentioned in this song, our health, our work, our families. But this song warns us. If you trust your physical health, your successful career, your happy family to make you safe, be very careful. God may just humble you. But there are others of us who cannot help but identify with Hannah, aren't there? Our bodies are weak and stricken by sickness. Our jobs, maybe careers if we can call it that, forgettable. Our wealth is meager. And we have no spouse, no children, no family in whom to find comfort, love or honour. And when we look at our lives, there is actually very little strength to find. Friends, if that's you, can I say you are exactly the very person in whom God delights to save. You are exactly the person whom God loves to lift up. I mean, let's face it, we all know it. No one aspires to be helpless. No one enjoys being helpless. And yet, helplessness is actually not such a bad thing, is it? I wonder if you realise that only a helpless person can sing this song. Do you realise that if you're self-sufficient with no sense of personal weakness, this song is actually pretty hard to sing? Material comfort and worldly success dull our praise for they mask our helplessness and obscure God's strength. But for those of us who are acutely aware of our weakness, who feel our frailty every day, friends, this song, this song is our joy. This song is our anthem. Whether it's chronic illness, unwanted singleness, wayward children, financial hardship, particular besetting sins and temptations, It is our weakness which leads us to pour out our hearts to God, to open our hearts to His salvation, and then to lift up our hearts in praise. It's no wonder then that the Apostle Paul can write in 2 Corinthians 12, get this, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Could you say this? So I take pleasure, I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I suspect it's not too far from the truth to say that every Christian should be marked by some sort of weakness. 
because our worldly weakness reveals our spiritual need and it drives us to receive God's amazing grace. Here's what I find fascinating about this song. It is only when we reach the depths of our helplessness that we can arrive at the heights of God's praise. It is only when we reach the depths of our helplessness that we can arrive at the heights of God's praise. Third section of this song. Praise God the King. Well, remember, this song began with Hannah praising God for who He is. And now it ends by praising God as the Creator, the King and the Judge of the world. You see, the only God who deserves our praise, that is the Lord. In the second half of verse 8, Hannah praises the God who set the world on the earth's foundations. He is the chief architect, the master builder, who alone has the right to judge his creation. And in verse 9, that's exactly what he does. He guards the steps of his faithful ones. All those who put their trust, not in their health, their wealth or their family, no, the faithful ones are those who put their trust in their God. He protects faithful faithful, helpless women like Hannah who find their strength in the Lord of armies. But the wicked perish in darkness, for a person does not prevail by his own strength. You see, friends, therein lies the heart of wickedness, trusting in our own strength. It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? Have you ever thought of wickedness in that way? To be wicked is to not trust in God's strength, but to trust in our own strength. And yet, reflecting on our lives, that is exactly what so many of us have been raised to do, isn't it? We've been raised to never trust anyone else, never depend on anyone else, trust only yourself. That is, according to our world, the fastest way to rise to the top. But God says that is the surest way to descend to the bottom. For if you trust in your own strength, if you trust in your health, your wealth, your family, friends, you are setting yourself up in opposition to God the King. He alone is the Lord of armies. And in verse 10, we read that those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. All who rely on our own strength are making a play for the throne that belongs to God alone. And this song, it now ends in in a very peculiar way. You see, this whole time we've been singing the praises of God as King. There's no one holy like the Lord. The Lord brings life and death. The Lord brings poverty and wealth. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. But now, Hannah sings of another king. Verse 10, God will give power to his king, who will lift up the horn of his anointed. Do you you see, friends, this is an anointed man who will rule as a king under God. Yahweh, the divine king, will rule his people through this human king. Now, if you could pick anyone to be that king, I wonder, what sort of leader would you pick? Surely you'd choose the strong and successful, wouldn't you? Surely you'd pick the hand-pick the wealthy man with a corporate career, a beautiful family. 
And yet God chooses someone who is weak, humble, and maybe even helpless. He chooses a king who is just like Hannah. Notice this, right? The song began with Hannah singing, My horn is lifted up by the Lord. And look at how it now ends. God will lift up the horn of his anointed. You see, the God who gives strength to a helpless, childless woman will give that same strength to his anointed Savior King. It might be hard to believe, but this weak woman from the backwaters of ancient Israel will be the model for God's Messiah. In this song, Hannah, she's singing initially about how her own salvation. But we very quickly realize that what is true of her is true of Israel. The salvation that she experiences is the salvation that God extends to all his people. And the child whom Hannah bears becomes the prophet who crowns a king. A king will be just like Hannah. He will not prevail by his own strength. No, God will be the strength of his salvation. Do you hear the people sing? Is that great song which captures the story of democracy, the story of a free people? Friends, Hannah's song defines the story of a people who are saved. And the story and its message is this. God alone is the strength of our salvation. Not our health, not our wealth, not our families, not our ability. No, God and God alone is the strength of our salvation. Whereas many centuries later, a woman called Mary would also give birth to a child in a miraculous way. And just like Hannah, she would sing a song of praise. In Luke 1, Mary rejoices in the God of salvation. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And notice, just like Hannah, Mary praises the God of reversals, who has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. But notice, the the connection between these two songs is deeper still. For in ways that she could have never imagined, the child in Mary's womb is the true king of whom Hannah had sung. Just think about it, right? At the end of her life, Hannah would have looked back and she would have wondered, maybe the king that she was singing of, maybe it was Saul. Maybe it was David. But it would not be until many centuries later that the true king of Hannah's song would be born and he would be carried in the womb of Mary. That king, that anointed king, I wonder if you know who he is. His name is Jesus. You see, in the Lord Jesus, God himself comes down from the heights of heaven and like Samuel is born to a lowly family from a lowly place, There's nothing beautiful about him, nothing to honor or respect about him, nothing strong, successful, or self-reliant about him on the outside. And this man who is God's anointed king, look at how he dies. He's unjustly crucified and dies a criminal's death. 
The God who sits in the highest heaven now lies in the lowest grave. And Jesus dies in defeat and despair. And it looks as if death has defeated God's anointed King. But for those of us who can sing Hannah's song, we know that God reverses everything, don't we? And that's exactly what he does. He reaches down, lifts Jesus literally up out of the grave and crowns him as the saviour of the world. In the greatest act of reversal, the crucified king becomes the risen king. And his reversal from death to life can be our reversal as well. You see, friends, at the cross, God defeats the devil, destroys death, and delivers us from hell. In Jesus, God raises us from the dust, lifts us up out of the trash heap, and he seats us with his Son in the highest heavens. In the Lord Jesus, God makes Hannah's song the anthem of our lives. If you're not a Christian, you might look at your life and you might realize that, gosh, I've just got nothing to offer this God. You might think, gosh, if if heaven needs an admission ticket, I don't have the strength or the success to buy my way in. You might think to yourself, gosh, the only way that I'm getting in is if God gives me that ticket. The only way that I'm getting saved is if God saves me because I just don't have the strength to save myself. Perfect. Perfect. Because you are exactly the person whom God delights to save. In 1 Corinthians 1, the Apostle Paul writes, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. If you feel like you have nothing to bring to this God, you are at the very point to not just cry out to Him for salvation you're at the very point to open your heart to receive that salvation in Jesus. Because Jesus is the humble king who died to save a helpless people. He died to save people like you and me. Well, friends, just like Hannah and Mary, you and I, we are helpless people and we've been saved by a strong and mighty God. And Hannah shows us, doesn't she? The only right response to our salvation is to sing, sing, sing God's praises. Just think about it, right? We sing in response to the most significant moments in our lives. Children sing at the celebration of their birthdays. Husbands try to sing to their wives at their wedding ceremonies. Nations sing their anthem at victory on the battlefield. If that's the case, that we sing at the most significant moments of celebration in our lives, let me ask, how could we not then sing in response to our salvation? Just think about for a moment, think about the movement, the progression from 1 Samuel 1 to 1 Samuel 2, right? In chapter 1, in response to her helplessness, what does Hannah do? She pours out her heart to God in prayer. And in response to her prayer, God comes to her in salvation. Now in chapter 2, in response to his salvation, Hannah lifts up her voice to God in praise. Prayer, 
salvation praise, crying out to God from the depths of our helplessness, God saving us and us responding in praise. And isn't this the journey for all of us who've been saved by God? We cried out to God from the depths of our sin. God heard our cry and came to us in His Son to save us. And now, we respond to Him by singing His praises. You see, friends, you and I have been saved to sing. And it's not for no reason that history ends and eternity begins with a song. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, friends, when we realize the depths of our helplessness, when we marvel at the strength of God's salvation, can I suggest that it is not enough for us to simply say thank you Notice, Hannah doesn't just say or pray her thanks. No, she sings her praise. Music is beautiful. And a song has this way of engaging our affections and expressing our emotions like few things can. It reveals our deepest loves and our strongest convictions. In fact, I'm willing to guarantee that the songs on our lips reveal the theology of our hearts. What we sing reveals what we truly believe. In fact, I was going to say years, but I suspect days from now you will probably forget much of this sermon. But many of you can sing these songs without even looking at the lyrics. So I suspect it is almost criminal, it is almost criminal for us who have experienced God's salvation, who study the depths of His Word, to not then be led to sing His praises, right? I mean, it is almost criminal for those of us who have experienced God's salvation and even studied the depths of His Word, not just once or twice, but multiple times a week, to not then sing His praises. Too many of us know God in our heads, confess Him with our lips, serve Him with our hands, but do not praise Him in our hearts. No, He deserves our praise. Theology exists for the sake of doxology. We know much so that we can worship much. But I know in a week like this, and in times like this, some of us just don't feel like singing. To be honest, after the week that we've had, we don't feel Hannah's joy. And so we can't sing Hannah's song. It almost feels like we're still stuck in 1 Samuel 1, crying out to God from the depths of our despair. And we can't quite move on to 1 Samuel 2 just yet, can we? If that's you, can can I make a suggestion? I wonder, can you see that this song, it directs our emotions and it lifts us up out, out of our despair. In one sense, it helpfully guides and instructs and directs our feelings. It doesn't allow us to get stuck in an emotional rut. No, it summons us to the purpose for which we have been saved. It reminds us that we have many more reasons to rejoice than to despair. But I get it. Life doesn't operate that quickly. Our emotions often lag behind our knowledge. So for those of us who 
might suffer for just a little bit longer. Who might be in 1 Samuel 1 still crying out from the depths of our despair. Can you see this song also assures us that though we may suffer for months and maybe even years, in the end, God will lift us up. He will lift us up. Just as he raised Jesus from the grave, he will raise us all to glory. You might feel that you will never be able to sing with joy. But I promise you, one day, you will. In the words of the psalmist, weeping may stay overnight. But there is joy in the morning. Friends, Hannah had every reason to praise the only God. Mary had every reason to praise the God of reversals. And we, we who have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, have every reason to praise God the King. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your great act of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than even our experience of salvation, we praise you, our Saviour. For as Hannah knows and as we sing and as we're about to sing, God, you are the only God. You are the holy God. You are the saving God. You are the God of reversals. You are the God who humbles the proud and exalts the lowly. You are the God who reaches down and lifts us up out of the dust. And so we praise you in this song of salvation. And we ask and pray that Hannah's song might be on our lips and it might be the anthem of our lives. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.